Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to the Conquering Columbus podcast. For those of you who might be new to the show, here at Conquering Columbus, we strive to shed light on all of the stories of the incredible people that are shaping our city. And today on the show, we've got Doug Ullman and Joe Apgar of the Pelotonia team joining us. And as you're about to find out, they've got some incredible experiences to share. Uh, the Pelotonia team recently released news that they raised over $23 million this year for cancer research bringing the 11-year total to over $207 million. And if you enjoy this episode, we recommend checking out their One Goal podcast, which was released earlier this year for more incredible stories from our community members who have been impacted by this terrible disease. As always, we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org. .org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors. Let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get, you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. We're really excited today. We're getting to talk with the Pelotonia team again, and we've got Doug Ullman joining us for the second time, as well as Joe Apgar. And Doug is the CEO, and Joe is the COO at Pelotonia. As some of you might know, we had Doug on the show a couple years back to talk about his story and how he ended up leading the Pelotonia team. Today, we're here to talk about how things have changed since then, learn a little more about Joe's story and how he joined the team, as well as the new One Goal podcast the Pelotonia team released back in July, 
Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Joe and Doug. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and you want to introduce yourselves just so everybody can know whose voice is who's here? So this is Doug, and I'm just honored to be invited back after uh, two years and thrilled to be here. So thanks for having us. Uh, this is Joe, first-time participant, and I'm thrilled to be here. Great, and we're thrilled to have both of you. So typically, I guess, you know, it's going to be a little different than our typical outline, but maybe start a little bit with Joe and talk about kind of how you joined the Pelotonia team and, and kind of what your background is. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, went to a, a small school called Penn State in the middle of central Pennsylvania. And, They're no and, good at football. And, uh, <laughs> be a good game. Uh, so ended up here actually to work in finance uh, for a real estate firm, uh, that, a private equity firm that invests in hotels uh, all throughout the country. And uh, right before I moved here out of college, my last semester of college, I actually was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, first week back of spring semester, final year, sort of rocked my world, and, and I had already planned on coming out here. I already had a job lined up at Rockbridge and uh, had visited Columbus once for my interview, but was just really excited, sort of put a stake in the ground, and, you know, I got to get through treatment. I want to get to Columbus. So for me, Columbus was sort of this end of a really tough road uh, through my cancer journey, and I started at... Uh, Rockbridge worked there for about eight years and uh, so I moved here in 2008 and in 2009 the first Pelotonia ride happened and you could start to feel it and see it throughout the city that people were participating in something sort of really cool and you know we ended up in 2011 starting a team at Rockbridge uh, we had 15 people uh, we raised $30,000 and sort of over the course of a couple of years, grew that to be several hundred thousand dollars of fundraising a year. Loved working there. Doug joined the team, I think, late 2014, early 2015, uh, and he and I got connected through some mutual mutual friends and um, ultimately just started a conversation and, you know, they had needs and wanted to grow and, and wanted to develop the organization in a certain way. and. For me, it was you know this personal opportunity to to really change completely change my career path and and go into the nonprofit space, but to work on something so personal and meaningful to me and to for our community and to see what it means to people was uh, was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. So if you're comfortable with it, I mean, I wouldn't mind going back to that that diagnosis and talking about just from a mentality perspective. Do you remember you know walking out and how do you how you dealt with that and then. What did the treatment cycle look like, and, and what type of cancer were you diagnosed with? Yeah, so I had testicular cancer, which, uh, you know, if you're going to get diagnosed with a cancer as a, as a young man, it's, it's one that's got a pretty high success rate, survivorship, and uh, although you don't really recognize that in the moment when, uh, you know, a doctor looks you in the face and says you have cancer, it's, you know, it's like getting punched in the face. And so... You know, for me, it was it was an interesting experience because I was at school. I was four away, four hours away from my house, where I grew up, where my parents lived, and it was a Friday night. So I I, I called them Friday night and I said, "Hey, uh, mom and dad, I, I think it was late enough that I woke them up." And you know, my mom answered, and I said, "Can you put dad on the phone too?" And you know, this is landline, so you can hop on another phone in the house. And I said, "Hey, you know." I have cancer and I'm having surgery in the morning, but you don't need to come. You know, I've, I've got this. I'm good. Like, don't worry about showing up. I'll, I'll text you tomorrow. 
And if now, you know, 11 years later thinking like, why would I possibly think that's okay? But it's interesting. I mean, I think the mentality is you just want to get through it and it's sort of a day by day thing. And, you know, I've, I've shared with a lot of, you know, people who've gone through the same thing, but if sort of you can make today better than yesterday and you can believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today, you'll get through it. Um, and I, I really believe that. You yeah. might also just mention your family's history. Yeah. Because your parents... That was had, not the first time uh, my parents uh, heard those words uh, told to one of their children. So when I was seven, my younger sister was five. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer. Wilms tumor, which uh, is a, it's an adolescent, really young child cancer of the kidney. And she, this was back in the 90s, she had two years of chemo, had her kidney removed, um, you know, all when she was five years old. And so, you know, she and I joke sometimes, I had it pretty easy compared to her. And she'll always sort of be the, the cancer veteran in the family, but um, we're, we're both happy and healthy and, uh, and, and here today looking back on, on both situations that I think we've both learned a ton from. It's gotta be really tough and you know, I think so one of the things that I've seen and one of the things I've heard, especially through people who've gone through really hard stuff, is that they always have this mindset of taking it one day at a time, focusing on the next step and getting continuously, you know, having small goals that they continue to move forward on. I mean, did, was that your experience? Did you see something similar? Yeah. So you know, I, I had a really interesting experience. I had a, a initial surgery uh, to remove the tumor and then you know, the type of you know, there's hundreds of different types of all these cancers, and the type of cancer I had spreads through your lymph nodes, uh, ultimately can go to your lungs. And it's very hard to sort of get a picture inside of, of all your lymph nodes to see if it's free and clear, or, you know, what's the next course of action. And one of the options is to have surgery where they remove all your lymph nodes. And uh, I opted to have that surgery. Everything ended up being good. I, I didn't have any further spreading of the cancer, uh, but what came out of that, I ended up having a pulmonary embolism uh, that actually almost took my life. And that was you know, the bottom of the bottom. Uh, I probably didn't know it at the time, but I mean, it was sort of a horrible couple days, but there was days and weeks that I couldn't breathe fully. I didn't have full sort of lung capacity. And so, you know, I would be sitting in a hospital room sort of blowing on this like breathalyzer tube and you know I was trying to get it to go to number one to number two to number three day by day where you know a normal person wouldn't even think about having trouble uh, passing that test and you know four weeks prior I would have had no problem passing that test and so it is really just about small goals walk to the end of the hallway and walk back sort of thing. You know, tomorrow I'm going to do it twice and the next day three times. And you can look back on it years later and, you know, you sort of forget the pain, but you don't forget uh, how tough it was. Uh, but you learn a lot. It teaches you a lot about yourself. And I don't want to force you to, like, relive this entire scenario because I'm sure it was a very difficult time. But I think the story itself will probably provide a lot to anybody out there that might be experiencing anything similar. So, like, as you look back on that, one of the things that goes through my head is, do you remember where you found happiness in those times? Because, you know, as we go through life normal and everything's fine, we find happiness and maybe it's the next meal or who we're going to hang out with at night. But when you're stuck in a hospital and 
it's just you and, and your next objective to try to you know stay alive where does happiness come from yeah it's a great question so uh i mean i had an amazing amazing group of friends uh in school and you know two roommates and a, a third person that was a roommate at one point and, and lived uh in a different house our senior year and then a couple other friends and i mean it was small things uh you know they would burn dvds and bring them to the hospital for me you know back when people were burning dvds those are, those yeah. are movies those are movies yeah, on a disc yeah, exactly. all the millennials yeah. out there you know i uh <laughs> I, I for some really odd reasons obsessed with this uh ashton kutcher kevin costner movie called the guardian uh back in the day where he's like a coast guard rescue swimmer and it's really not that good of a movie, but uh, it was my favorite movie at the time, and I had like six friends burn me copies of it and bring it to the hospital and you know, make fun of me as they're handing it to me. But uh, little things like that, and kind of a funny story, I was never a big video game player, uh, but my, my roommate Tom had a Nintendo 64. We always played Mario Golf. And the, day, the night before my second surgery, we stayed up till 4 a.m. playing Mario Golf. My parents were picking me up at 5 a.m. to take me to the hospital. So I never actually went to sleep. And I got out of the hospital. It was around the time it was my birthday. And the Xbox, whatever the new Xbox was at the time, came out. My parents bought it for me for my birthday. And I probably played 10 hours of Xbox a day for the rest of the semester uh, with my friends. And uh, you know, my buddies Tom and Zach, Josh, Alex, who are all really, really close friends today, like that's what gets you through it. Um, and I think the best part about having a really close group of friends was like they never talked about it. Unless I brought it up, like it was just sort of, you know, normal days and let's go to Quiznos and get a sub or go get some ice cream. And, you know, there's no pity either. You know, if I wasn't feeling good and they thought I was milking it a little bit, like I heard all about it. So it's good. I mean, I think it's friends, it's your family. It's at the end of the day, it's the things that, you know, when people, you, know, you read, you know, articles about people that are, you know, on their deathbed, they're 95 years old, and you ask them what they value in life, and it's relationships and family and friends. It's the same thing. Like, I think to me, that's the core of humanity. Right. I, I don't think you ever hear anybody say, "Hey, I wish I would have worked more." on their deathbed you know it's, it's always that um but i appreciate you sharing that story here joe and and i guess maybe a good place to pivot and talk a little bit more about so doug how have things changed since we last spoke with you at pelotonia i know joe joined the team and you know there's probably a lot that's going on it's been a couple of years so what's what's been happening yeah i mean things are seemingly changing by the day but i think just in listening to joe's story first of all we at pelotonia are really thrilled to have somebody like Joe on our team, not only because he has the, the personal experience with the disease and, and with his sister and his family, I mean, over his whole lifetime, essentially, but also because he was a writer before. And so he had that frame of reference as well, what he liked, what he felt when he was participating and sort of that, how that can translate to recruit other people or bring other people into the, into the movement. So I think that's been a huge addition. And um, the team has grown and, you know, we've gone through sort of, I think what a lot of organizations go through, which is sort of emerging out of startup phase into sort of what do we want to be and how are we maturing as an entity? And for the first few years of Pelotonia, it was just 
go as fast as you can and get everything done to execute this amazing weekend where people come together to 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 raise money and, and celebrate the the search for a cure for this disease and now it's sort of like okay th- that piece is going and we need to enhance it and improve it and always grow it but what else are we doing as an organization to have the biggest impact possible and i think that's what we think about every day, whether it's me or Joe or, or our other colleagues who are phenomenal, it's sort of like, how can we have the biggest impact? And this year we made a huge announcement. We pledged $102,265,000 uh, to build the Pelotonia Institute for Immuno-Oncology, which is really, it's an enormous nod to the community because this new institute, I believe, is owned by the community. If you've ever fundraised or you've ever volunteered or you've ever ridden, whatever you've done to support Pelotonia over 11 years, this is like the fruit of your labor. And immunotherapy is the future of cancer treatment. It's the future of the research sort of sector. And um, I think it's going to be exciting for this community to see the development of this institute and then to benefit from the new therapies that get developed. So um, it's the first time we've done this in terms of funding something proactively for the future. And it sort of spins the, the, the paradigm or the, the communication around in terms of we used to say to the community, hey, you raised X dollars last year and here's what we're doing with it now. And now what we're saying to the community is this is the most important thing we could go achieve. And we're putting sort of a flag in the ground and saying we need to go do this together. And it's really been energizing to a lot of people, which is, which is exciting. Hey there, Conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mix Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work, and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work, and that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mixed Wonders. Mixed Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending four hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mixed Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com, that's M-I-X-W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, Mix Wonders. And when you have such monumental achievements like that, um, I'm always curious about, you know, the team that you build to uh, create the momentum and achieve such things. So like going back to when you and Joe first had the conversation together, and even the idea popped in your head to join the team. Like, what did that dialogue look like? And how have you been able to continue to build such an amazing team to achieve these different things? Well, I'll say just quickly, and then Joe chime in. I, I mean, I, I think we're very fortunate because I would say it this way we're unfortunate and fortunate in that everybody's been touched by cancer. And so there's no shortage of people who want to come join the team because they have a personal experience or or they're a writer, or they just they, they want to sort of live their dream and their passion. And so we're very fortunate in that regard. Um, that said, we have a small team, so we don't have room for everybody that wants to that wants to come join. I think one of the things that's pretty remarkable about Joe's story, and, and I know you guys talk about this a lot in the podcast, is like these seminal moments in your life. And I think traditionally we don't see a lot of people taking that leap. So people will talk about, hey, I want to I'm going to leave my finance career in private equity and go join a nonprofit. I mean, I hear that every day. I really want to do this. I really want to do this. And for whatever reason, it's not anybody's fault, but for whatever reason, they don't do it. Can't do it. 
maybe there's financial constraints, maybe I'm starting a family, maybe whatever it might be, you just don't take the leap. And you know, I think I think that was what was exciting when Joe and I sat down, which was one, he his skill sets are extremely complementary to mine. He's really good at things that I'm terrible at, and vice versa, maybe. Well, I wouldn't say I think terrible, so. I think but so. Um, but so so for me, it was important to find somebody that that enjoyed and excelled at things that I'm not particularly good at. But then also just to to hear his passion for saying, hey, yeah, I've got this great career in private equity, but that's not the end all be all for me, and I want to make this this jump. Yeah, I think you know, very. My view on it is very few times in your life are you going to have the opportunity to pursue something you're really passionate about that excites you, that, I mean, just does so much for the community and in terms of empower people and give people hope. And I mean, it was a really easy decision. I get asked all the time, I mean, wow, why would you leave such a good job to, you know, go to nonprofit? And um, I mean, to me, I actually don't view it that different it's not that different of a world it's you still have world-class people that are working really hard doing really good things the funding structure of the organizations a lot different than a for-profit business but the things that need to be done the the way teams need to be run the accountability and expectations that need to happen in an organization are all the same you know and I think you have this sort of other magical piece of it which is everyone shows up to work not calling it work because uh, it's it's a passion piece for every person in our organization, and you can leverage that into really great things. And and I think the one thing I see every single day coming to work is people always put others before themselves. Uh, there's no selfishness in our office to get things done. It's always how can we do, you know, create the best event possible or do the nicest thing for someone or uh, you know how are we thinking differently about you know, touching people and, and stewarding people. And so, you know, it's just a, it's a unique experience that not a lot of people will, will ever have because they don't, like Doug said, they don't take, they don't take the leap and they're nervous for whatever reason. And I think to Joe's point, there, there's been this historic connotation of what a nonprofit is. And the reality is it's just a tax structure. I mean, that's all it is, is a tax status. Doesn't mean you can't run it like a business, doesn't mean you can't build a brand, doesn't mean you can't sort of organize your your operations just like you would a for-profit company. But I think for some people there's a block there in terms of like, oh, I wouldn't go do that because then I'm on a different path. And so we, I think we try to treat Pelotonia as a business. And, and yes, it's a grassroots movement, but from an operational standpoint, we want it to run as smoothly or better than any any business that's out there. So can you guys share with us a little bit, I mean, on that note, right, we, we talked a little bit about the One Goal podcast earlier and how you guys started it, but what was the purpose starting out? I think it sounded like it was building the brand, getting the message out there a little more, but what was the purpose and what was the idea? Where did it come from? And how has getting it off the ground been going? Yeah, I think we actually talked about this the other day. It might have been yesterday. We hear you know, some of the most amazing stories every single day. And it almost gets to a point where we take it for granted and we think everybody knows these stories and you know someone comes in and tells us why they're riding and why they've been a 10-year rider why they're so passionate and i mean that's what makes i mean that's what makes working there so amazing and and sort of just a special part of of our lives uh but what we realize is people aren't hearing these and we've got just amazing amazing sort of treasures of stories in our community and 
and we hadn't yet found the medium to share them. And we've done short videos, you know, we have people speak at events, but it still wasn't getting to sort of the root of some of these stories. And, you know, the idea of a podcast came through and we had been thinking about it for a while and ultimately dove right in. We'll have uh, 14 episodes uh, through the end of the year that have all been recorded. And it's, uh, I mean, it's been amazing. It is not easy to put together a podcast. Uh, we've, we've found Much out. less 175 yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah, but it is, uh, it's been a really, really cool medium for us to share, to share stories and to get really deep into stories. I think that's one of the cool things about having 20, 30, 40 minutes on a podcast is to hear the details and to, to listen to someone describe what they were seeing in the room when they heard they had cancer or, you know, what the last moments of a loved one were like. And it's, it, I don't know that there's a better medium to do it. So it's, it's been really powerful for our community. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's sort of interesting. Joe was describing his own personal diagnosis and, and how like your world slows down. And then you get to that point where you're literally thinking about what you're going to do that day. I think that's just a great metaphor. Like we live in such a transactional world now where everything is like a swipe or a like or a picture or an image. And and yet these stories, like they're so complex and there's so much more to them. But we didn't have a medium to tell them. And so, yeah, you can post a blog or you can. But it's not the same. And and whether people read it or not or where they read it or how they read it and and as you guys know, I mean, just hearing people tell their stories and listening to that is is phenomenal. I mean, the, the first one I listened to, uh, so our colleague Jill is the host of the podcast, and she is our community manager, and so she knows the community really well. She hears the most stories of, of anyone, and she's the, the host of the podcast. And I was driving back from Cincinnati, and I got a, a, a rough cut of one of the, one of the episodes and, um, before we launched. And I mean, I, I was crying uncontrollably listening to this story. And the irony of the story was that the, 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 the woman who was sharing her journey lost her husband at a very young age. And he, before he passed away, he told her, he said, I, I want you to do three things with your life. And he's explaining this to her and she's recounting this in, in this podcast. And I'm like bawling, crying. And it wasn't a week later that we were on a training ride and ran into her at the rest stop. And when I saw Sarah, I, I was, all I could hear was the voice from the podcast. And, you know, I didn't know her before. And it was just like, these are real people in our community who are doing remarkable things and their stories deserve to be told. And could we have gone without it? Absolutely. But like the power in sharing those stories, I think is what, Pelotonia is is really meant to do and that's what inspires other people and whether it's Sarah or whether it's Joe's story or whether it's you know any number of other people I think we all like as humans want to be a part of something bigger and we want to be inspired and so that was I think that's the impetus going forward is how do we share more of these stories so outside of the podcast are any other goals or initiatives on the horizon that you guys are really excited about or focusing on you know closing 2019 and moving into 2020 all kinds of things. Um, there's never a shortage of ideas. So we, you know, we've spent a lot of this year focused on this new institute and talking about how do we make sure that 
whatever we're doing from a research perspective is having the biggest impact possible. So we're in the early stages now of planning a new research initiative that will be fairly different than the old model of sort of people applying for grants. And it's, it'll supplement what we're doing with our grant programs, but um, it might be a way that, that really ignites new areas of research and brings some of the brightest minds, not just in Columbus, but but maybe across the country and around the world to bear on this disease. Because one of the things we know is that young scientists and young minds have the most creative ideas. And so how could we fund things that bring the brightest minds into the field? And one of the things we know that happens is young scientists, if you don't get grants, by a certain point you leave and you go do something else with your career. And it shouldn't be that way. We should be able to find the brightest minds and say, hey, come help us solve these problems. And that will also allow us to recruit more people to come to Columbus, to work in these institutes, and ensure the future of cancer research is really bright. So that's something that we, we plan to launch in 2020. Um, so we can stay tuned for that. And then in terms of like the actual ride, we're always looking at new things, whether they're new routes, new experiences, things that will, uh, again, I inspire people to want to be a part of this. I think there's a visceral feeling when you ride and when you participate, and we need to make sure that feeling is spread to more and more people. So that's what some of the things we think about on a routine basis. Yeah, I think uh, you know a lot of people think right now this is our off season and uh, we're not. We get asked that every day. People are like, "So you just take like six months off? Yeah, like, what, what else do you do, do you next? Do? Like, what do you do now? Yeah, we, we've heard it all. We've. Uh, I mean, I've been asked if I'm a, a volunteer. I mean, a hundred times and. You know how how do, how do we get all eighteen of these people to volunteer every day and Not come that into hard the, all this up, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's a pretty simple exactly. thing. You know, what do you guys exactly. do in the winter? And obviously, like everyone has different jobs in the winter, and and so I mean, the winters, uh, you know, when we spend time really unpacking and and trying to reinvent ourselves and figuring out what can we do better, what can we do differently and new, and you know, every year we launch a new campaign, sort of a new sub brand uh, of Pelotonia to the 2020 campaign uh, and the campaign brand is is going to be pretty special. It's going to be different. I think people are going to be floored, to be honest, with how much energy it has, and we're so we're really really excited about that. And you know, I think it's just really we get a lot of feedback. You know, we talk about it all the time, but we get all the feedback, good and bad, and we listen to it and we think about it and we hear it all. And so for us, it's about how can we translate what people want into the experience that we're giving them? And, and that's what we work all year to do. What about this year's event and the results? Um, how did everything end up? And, and were you guys uh, pretty excited about the, the final turnout? Yeah, I mean, it was a great year. You know, it's interesting. Um, as Joe said, we get feedback on everything, and, and we rely on that feedback because ultimately our job is, is not to make all the decisions. Our job is to create a platform for people to do things that, they can't do on their own. And, and so, you know, the feedback, as Joe said, we take seriously and we make changes. And however, th there are certain things that are out of our control. So in 2018, we had the hottest, most humid event we've ever had. And it makes for a much different experience. It, it, physically, I mean, emotionally, like everybody's just drained. There, there were more um, people getting dehydrated. I mean, just everything you could think of. And this year we had probably the best weather we've ever had. You know, it got warm in the afternoon, but in the morning it was cool and not humid and not windy. And, you know, it was just phenomenal. And 
And I say that only to say like the experience this year was markedly better than last year because of that and a bunch of other factors. So we were super excited with the event. I mean, we once again had a live TV broadcast for the opening ceremony, which was really nice. Um, we had some phenomenal uh, guests who joined us this year, uh, which, again, always enhances the experience. We had Sanjay Gupta from CNN who gave a great talk at the opening ceremony. It was emceed by uh, a friend of the organization, Ethan Zahn, who's a cancer survivor who won Survivor Africa. And stay tuned. He will be on the next season of Survivor as well. They're doing a, uh, a, a new season with all the old winners coming back, uh, which will air in the spring. And then we had Harry Hudson, who is this phenomenal musician who uh, just released a new album, actually, and uh, is a cancer survivor and told his story. And it's always great to have musical acts, but when, when he got up and shared his journey, it was a really powerful moment for the community. And then we had, you know, over 7,500 riders, you know, out on the road that weekend. And so it was pretty special. I, I, I found this to be uh, one of the best events we've ever had. And one of the ways we measure that, which is just one simple metric, uh, but this was the safest ride we've ever had. And for us, that's the biggest fear we always have is are we keeping people safe and are people having a great experience? And we had less hospital visits, less injuries, less of everything. And, uh, and that's a huge, huge thing for us. Yeah, fun, uh, fun weekend story. So Harry Hudson, uh, who he's a young, I don't know, pop rock artist and cancer survivor. So we do the last two years given free tattoos. So the first 125 people that uh, line up at, at sort of this uh, set-up tattoo shop can get a Palatania tattoo, an arrow, anywhere around their body. And Harry Hudson does sound check. Here's we're doing free tattoos, walks over and gets a Palatania arrow tattooed on his leg. His manager, who has no tattoos on his entire body, is sitting next to him getting his first tattoo ever of a Palatania arrow. And to us, I mean... You know, and, then, the, and then they both ridiculed me because I don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> and they basically said, we just showed up and got them, and you don't even have one. Yeah. But, you know, to think that there's, you know, hundreds of people walking around our city with Pelotonia tattoos is pretty remarkable when you think that the brand didn't exist 12 years ago. Uh, and so for us, that's really special. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that we're very excited about is that moving forward, again, we've got this new institute this new research sort of opportunity that we're going to launch in 2020. Um, but, you know, the, the, one of the most special things about Pelotonia is this 100% model where every single dollar we raise goes to research. And that is not a simple model because it, 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 it is a beautiful, transparent, inspiring thing for our fundraisers and our participants. But operationally, it makes it challenging because when we have new ideas, we've got to go find the operational funding to support these new ideas. Um, but we are very fortunate that our major funding partners have recommitted for another five years. And that's just a huge, I think it's a huge nod to the community to say this community has gone above and beyond repeatedly and we're all in for the next five years. And um, we're super grateful and, and humbled by that. Um, but I think the community at large should feel really special that 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 our corporate partners and funders have said it's remarkable what this community is doing and we want to do more of it 
and we couldn't do this without them. And so that 100% model will continue, and we're, again, beyond, beyond appreciative. That's really exciting news, Doug, and I think it's a, you know, a great place to kind of pivot towards our last question of the show. And, and Doug, we've asked you this one already, <laughs> so I think we'll start with Joe. And that last question is centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that particular phrase for our podcast, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, I think there's a lot of applications. I think, you know, I think you got to do things that challenge, that challenge you, that scare you a little bit. I think, you know, for me, probably the really, the first time I, I did something that scared me a little bit was leaving that first job I had, you know, to move from Rockbridge, which was, you know, I wasn't leaving a place I didn't like. I mean, I loved it. Uh, I still love the people, see a lot of them, you know, I see them all the time. And so, you know, to make that leap where there's a lot of people saying, wow, I can't believe you're going to, you're going to leave that job and, uh, and, and go to the nonprofit world. And I think that has set me up to, to really just challenge myself in a lot of different ways. And, you know, I don't like, or historically haven't liked public speaking, but I've been trying to do a lot more of it because I know that, you know, it's something that I, I haven't historically enjoyed, but that I want to be good at. And so I think, you know, to me, it's, it's a lot about, you know, when I think of living uncomfortably, I think just about myself personally, you know, a little almost selfishly of like, what don't I like to do? And what makes me feel sort of really awkward and sort of put it on the table and own it a little bit. And I think it's advice I give to a lot of, you know, our younger colleagues or, or people that ask for advice is like, if, you know, we say around our office a lot, but if, you, if you're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to get any change or different results. And I think, you know, making yourself uncomfortable is the impetus to change, both good and bad. But I think if you do it right, you know, you end up on the good side a lot more. Joe, that's a great answer. And uh, guys, if you want to hear Doug's answer, you're going to have to go listen to our previous episode of Conquering <laughs> Columbus, which will be linked down in the show notes. But... Joe, Doug, thanks so much for joining us on the show. And Joe, thanks a lot for sharing your story with us here on Conquering Columbus. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Yep. Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. We definitely got a lot out of it. and hope you did too. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus. And their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org.
www.fmxradio.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.